Blog Talk Radio. time of year, and I'm not sure what time that is, but I know it's that time. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. Our show tonight is brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and Whistleblowers Life, and it's sponsored by Shenanigans in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania on Facebook, and thanks to both of those for their support for the shows. Um, The call-in number this evening, 917-388- 4520 and select number one to speak on air, but please give us about 45 minutes to get all of our information out there. And then if you have questions or comments, please feel free to call in. Oh, to, with me tonight, of course, is Kaz Scave. Say hello, Kaz. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> yes. And also, Reverend Ralph. Reverend, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fine, and good evening, our favorite <laughs> listeners internationally. There you go. There you go. And we we are in syndication now, so these shows are basically going global. We are on so many streaming platforms, we can't even keep track of them. Uh, but we are getting lessons from all around the globe, people signing on to the shows. This is a good thing. As we've reported and reported, this is a global issue. They are doing this in every single country we have encountered they are kidnapping the elderly, taking their assets, stashing them in these god-awful holes that they call a nursing home or assisted living, and then they just serendipitously pass away when all the money's been taken. So think about that when you sit down for Thanksgiving dinner. Our guest tonight is Brenda, Brenda Daniel, and many of you have seen uh, on Facebook the uh website of the the Facebook page of you know where is Poochie and Brenda is going to talk about Poochie what her relationship is to her what has happened to Poochie and what they are trying to accomplish so Brenda welcome to the show thanks so much for having me I really appreciate the time uh, to share the story and uh, I appreciate so much what you're doing to educate people and uh, make a change. Definitely, we have to have change here to protect our vulnerable. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, you know, and on that note, and I don't mean to go off track too much here, but what we are encountering not only here but also like Australia, um, Chris, who runs as the Australian Association Against Guardianship Abuse, they are being attacked by these glory hogs writing false articles, making false accusations. They're photoshopping her picture into stuff that she has nothing to do with. They've been in court several times. Um, But these people are sent in. They are provocateurs, and they are sent in to derail any efforts we might make. Um, Chris has been quite successful 
in helping people out over there as an advocate. She's gotten too much of an impact, and they are after her with claws bared. We suffer the same thing here. Many of you know that already. Um, we get attacked by the glory hogs. They aren't interested in the cause. They want to be a celebrity. Um, we're the wrong people to pick on because I'll bite you, and that's a fact. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, Brenda, go ahead and tell everybody Poochie's background story. Oh, sure. Well, Poochie is pretty much her affectionate name, her nickname <laughs> she's had for many, many years. Um, it was actually given to her by one of the many kids that she babysat for, and this would have been, gosh, probably 30-some years ago. But that's pretty much what I've called her in many for <laughs> forever. Bless you. Oh, sorry. I thought I covered the mouthpiece. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, I hope you don't get too bad. I'm sorry. No, no, my goodness. So that is my mom, and um, I'm the middle of seven children. And sadly, she's lost three um, and my dad. So we have four. There are four of us now. Um, And in May, May 2019, my brother and I were looking for my mom. He had happened to stop by, and she wasn't there, and I'd made a couple calls, and she wasn't answering, and then he went by again. She still wasn't there, which is unusual. She was healthy and with it, but she's 93. She didn't go out for, like, long periods of time. So we, I reached out to my sisters, and neither would answer re- return calls, no response whatsoever. So by the end of that night, um, I reached out to a very good longtime friend of my mom's and mine um, who's in law enforcement, and she called my oldest sister, and she eventually called back to say that my mom had been moved to a facility in Frederick, Maryland, um, about 40-plus miles from her home that she'd lived in for 40 years. Um, my brother and I knew nothing about this, nothing about this, and pretty much a shock she in that house which she loved she was gardening she had purpose she had her cats she had extensive network of friends i mean remarkable usually when you think of a 93 year old their world's kind of small at that point my mother's was not she had a live-in tenant that was not just a tenant i mean they were truly friends they enjoyed time he was she cooked for him all the time he took photographs of her flowers i mean just really warm genuine relationships her best friend was an ex-school teacher retired that saw her most every day um and all the kids she babysat over many many years still kept in contact with her and now they have children so they're coming by with their children so i mean she felt very blessed and thriving and was motivated and she just took the best care of herself and she was very proud about that um she's heck of a scrabble heck of a scrabble uh, player um last time i saw her was in december so just about 11 months ago and even at that point she she could beat you or not beat you i mean it, there was no uh she happened to beat me that day but there was no you would not need to give her a head start or not you know 
she could win as easily as anyone. And she's bilingual, fully bilingual in two languages, so quick at doing these word puzzles, just a remarkable person. Um, no physical limitations whatsoever. Um, but in any case, my sisters moved her there again, unbeknownst to my brother and I. And by the way, my brother had gotten her long-term care insurance, and that really was for the sole purpose for her to age in place. Of course, that didn't happen. So my brother and I, you know, played nice. She was moved. We didn't know how to undo this. And my mom was asking my husband and I, we were seeing her daily then, that this is like a jail. She wanted to go home. Um, it was torture. She was saying this in front of employees, too, telling them, don't hang up the bird feeder. I might be able to go home. So I just told her that I would do my best. I would try my best with my sisters to get them to reverse this. And I did. I told them to talk to her directly, listen to her wishes. What is she expressing to you? Um, they never made a change, did nothing. She stayed there. My husband and I just continued to visit every day and um, bring joy as much as we could. But by December, so she'd been there May, June, July, August. She'd been there about six, seven months, and my sister starts stopping her from leaving the building already. They're pretty much isolating her. She's not allowed out on family gatherings, trips, nothing. It's all contained in the facility. Um, and this is a woman who, again, is asking to go places. She has interest. Um, she's a lot of fun. They wouldn't let her leave. And they posted notes in a room about her not leaving. <clears throat> and when my sister would call in and my husband and I were visiting, she would actually have my mother read those notes out loud to her. Um, it was painful. It was difficult. But I really didn't know how to help get her out of there without causing massive problem. I, I'm kind of naive. I just thought it could smooth over. We could fix this. And by yeah. December, they, lock, they locked her in there. And then COVID came in March, March and then it's officially locked down. Right. And it's it's horrifying. I mean, we have it. I don't remember if I sent them to you, but video upon video of her asking to leave. She's packing. Oh. She's leaving. She wants to go with us. She can't stay alone one more time in there. Um, she complains my sister has her checkbook. She wants to leave. And I can do nothing. I just tell her I try and I... Um, Brenda, that was all I Brenda, could offer. What was your, yes. What was your sister's yes. reason for doing this? Did she ever give you a reason why she did this? She would just say that it was safest for mom, best for mom, and it wasn't oh. safest for mom, best for mom. Yeah. So <laughs> what does what does mom have that sister wants? Yeah, it's very complicated in my family. Well, actually, no, I'm hearing now that I'm in this, what I want to call movement. It's not uncommon, but it's definitely 
greed, but it's a sense of entitlement, power, control. Um, these are my feelings about it, my beliefs, what I think right. I see. And it's, you know, long, we're a dysfunctional family. We have been for many yeah. years. And years back, my husband had, and I had called them out on another situation we thought was not right. And that really never healed from that. And uh, they didn't want her in their home, but we could not have her. Even though we put repeatedly, we don't want a penny, we signed off with the attorney on that. We put that publicly on Facebook. Nothing. I just want my mom to thrive and have choices and have her rights back and have family. And that was not priority to them. Their priority appears to keep her from my husband and I. That is their priority. What screams to me when I hear this is, I don't know if you knew, I was on a panel at the social worker convention here in Wisconsin, and the one thing that I, that I learned while I was at this convention that I was invited to is the social worker and the guardian are supposed to ask the person what do they want, and it sounds like Poochie over and over says, I want to live at home. I don't want to be here. And, in fact, I saw the, the videos. And so right there, when that is when social workers are going to college, these are the things that, they're, that, that they are supposed to do. And the fact that nobody asked what somebody wants, and that seems to be the recurring, the recurring thing over and over, is nobody's being – they're not asking the person, what do you want? And, like, the one thing they said is people are allowed to make bad decisions. Just like, yeah, you know, yes. they the Britney Spears. Britney Spears is allowed to blow all her money. It's her money. She's allowed to make a bad decision. And so this just screams that's so wrong that they didn't even ask her. And I remember the video where she's packing her stuff up and she says, I'm just, I'm ready to go home. I'm going home. And it was so heartbreaking. And I'm so sorry for what's happening. It was heartbreaking. We try to stay as calm as possible and basically distract her because I had no choice to remove her. I had, that was not an option given to me. So we had to just calm her. And she's still of sound mind and they do this just because she's older. Brenda, did this go through, did this go through probate? It didn't. My, it's basically, it's my oldest living sister and her attorney husband are the power of attorneys. And okay. they, they're acting as if they're guardians. I mean, they are uh-huh. abusing, yes. abusing their position um, yeah. in my mind, to me, what my belief. Um, you know, we, we have been transparent since day one. I mean, asking for family meetings asking for mediation, bring everybody together, let's come to something amicable and let's find out what my mom wants publicly on the record. Because what they say, what mom wants versus what my husband and I witnessed, what we have videos of is not the same thing. And she was not, even in those videos you see where she's asking to leave and that my sister has her checkbook, she didn't even know the danger. It was 61% fatality of anyone in in facilities in the state of Maryland. She didn't know Mm -hmm. that, and I wasn't going to tell her that. 
So she wanted out because she is isolated, in pain, lonely, confused, literally people coming in, throwing food and leaving. That was like 14 months of her life like that. That's she wants out because of that, which that in itself, isolation is deadly. And I could never tell her the statistics of death. And um, I don't know how my family can justify a capable physical woman that wants to leave has a place to go with family, and they refuse to let us have her, and they have no interest in removing her. I mean, that because they is want total control. Me. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's an estate involved here. Um, there's a home, uh, and there's probably other assets you may not know about, but they have figured up her net worth, and this is basically oh, what they're asking. Oh, she does have other investments that they yes. have controlled for many, many years. Yes. I don't even and, know what's uh, there. I've never asked. I don't I didn't care. Yes. Yeah. Well they do. And this is the driving uh-huh. force. Uh this all gets down to greed. We see this in case after case after case. It's never about that individual that they have targeted. It's never about what they are doing to them, the psychological torture of isolation, being separated from the people they love and know, being taken out of their homes and put in these terrible places where many times they are mistreated and abused. One of the things I wanted to ask you about were those terrible bruises on her face. How did that happen? Yeah. It's pretty horrifying. Um, That was another thing they tried to hide from us. So my husband and I visited every day, and again, we were still only able to visit at a window because it's in lockdown all these months. So we went to her ground floor window. She wasn't there. Now, obviously, bells are going off because, you know, it says do not leave your room. She's supposed to right. be in a room isolated. She's not there. I know something's not okay. We eventually got one of the nurses to tell us, um, I guess they call it HIPAA protection. All they would tell me was that she was taken by ambulance to the hospital. We have no idea. Is she dying? Pneumonia? COVID? What has happened? They can't tell me anything. Yeah. <clears throat> so we get to the hospital. And management was wonderful. They asked questions. Has anyone else been here today? And my my true answer was, I don't know, because my sister hadn't returned my husband's call, because COVID protocol apparently only allowed one person at a time. So right. I told the security guard, I don't know. And he talked to the um, supervisor, and they let me go up to see her. And when I saw her, pretty horrifying but as I've had to come in these situations, <clears throat> I try to be as upbeat as possible and offer her some kind of positive comfort. Yeah. Comfort. Yeah. So I just remember, and I was shocked, by the way, I have on a full mask, and she hasn't seen me in person for in close up in 13 months. But when I went in there with that mask, she immediately knew it was me, and she's smiling. And I was smiling through the mask, and then I just told her that she was superwoman. She'd be fine, and she'll be out of there in no time. And in the meantime, my sister was in the room, and the same thing, physical intimidation leaning over us. So before causing any scene, I never want my mom to witness craziness. I just hugged her, and I left. Um, so all I, all we, So for two days after that, they moved her. Somewhere in the hospital, we could never find her. 
We didn't know if she was alive or dead, truly. And then we kept going back from the parking lot to the hospital to the nursing home. Uh, on day two, we, my husband actually found her in her room, and those pictures are from her room. Oh, and basically okay. what she could tell us was she just remembers being on the floor, and she thought she had a nosebleed, didn't know how bad it was, and I think she did try to go – laid back down and then was found, I guess, the next morning. But what is very frightening to me in particular, first of all, you hear about this over-medication to make residents compliant. That's like standard all the time, and especially during COVID, it went ran rampant. But also, we were, she was coming to the window, the screen, with switchblades and knives and hammers. Where did she get, and loose, where did she get those? That's that is what's terrifying to me. She yeah. said they just would appear in her room. Like, again, I'm on the out. We're all, we cannot go in. The only people in that facility would be employees. So they were somehow in her room appearing. Um, or I really don't know. But that's when you look at that bump above her eye, that could uh-huh. be a hammer. I honestly don't know. And my sisters did no kind of investigation that I'm aware of. I I wanted to know who worked that shift that night. Yeah. I mean, just days before that, my mother is strong on one hand. That's why she's made it all these years. But on the other hand, she's intimidated by staff, afraid to tell them to like, withhold certain foods she hates. But this one particular night, right before this injury, a woman walked in the room and we're at the window my mom was so terrified. She was literally cowering in her chair and rocking her leg like a child a couple oh, wow. days before that fall. And then I never saw that woman again. I don't know what happened to that woman. I don't, I don't want to accuse anyone directly or the facility, right, right. but something is not okay there. For me not to right. have any information p- reports who worked that shift is very upsetting and they had the option not to put her back in there. And what did they do? They put her in there two days later so quickly, she still had her hospital bracelet on. How do you wow, think my mother felt efficient. going back there? It was just oh, wow. horrifying to do that to her. Reverend Ralph, what are your thoughts here? Well, I, I hate to say it. Uh, my mother is 97, and it's like an identical story to Brenda's Uh it's basically where it was a um, close relative, very close relative to uh, me, that started this whole mess. And as far as um, the isolation, all, again, it's basically uh, this person is in a lockdown mental ward when there was no reason for it and has been kept there for basically over a year in uh, a sensory-deprived confinement uh, in isolation, and again, this is something where uh, people that are confined like that can start off as basically very normal, uh, and then when you're just basically kept in a tiny room and basically no visitors and nobody to get you to do things, you just lay in your chair all day and do nothing, and it's, nature's just going to take its course and turn you into a vegetable. Uh, it's Brenda, I, I, you know. A lot of these people that are listening to this show, uh, 
you know, they've gone through this and they just know the pain that you're going through. And you just feel so hopeless and helpless that uh, why? Why are people doing this? I mean, what's the purpose? Uh, my loved person hasn't, you know, has no problem with living on their own. And why not let them go out for walks and so forth? Uh, just like with your uh, mother, you know, my person hasn't been outside for a year. Why? What is the problem? Why are, if, mm. if these nursing because homes, they lose control, if they, they lose control, and the, they, the people would feel more empowered and maybe overtly speak out and protest. The way that they manipulate and control, they're not going to have the strength to say that. They're so watched over that they can't well, say it in confidence. That, and after prolonged, uh, prolonged isolation, they tend to be um, mumbling, and they, it, the effects, the psychological effects of isolation, especially on an elderly person, is devastating. It's absolutely devastating. And so they they start diminishing quite rapidly um they need to be touched they need to be hugged they need to be kissed they need to be have that interaction especially with people that are close to them and that's immediately the first thing they do is sever those relationships and separate them the effect psychologically is horrendous it's absolutely horrendous so even if they do get outside many times they're no longer coherent because of this forced isolation and psychologically, like I say, they're diminishing. And uh, so it's to their advantage to keep her locked up, um, keep her immobile for as long as they can because the worse her condition is going to become. And they know this. It's called torture-based bonding. And um, mm -hmm. by the way, this is on the uh, Human Rights Council's list of torture. Number three on there is isolation. So think about that Absolutely. one. Absolutely. I follow that. This is this is Reverend Ralph again. This is how they break prisoners of war, you know, through various forms of isolation and deprivation of outside stimulus and so forth. Uh, one of the tortures, and you wouldn't think it was a torture, was they would put uh, prisoners in rooms where every color is the same, everything. And then the next day, they put them in another room with everything the same color, even their food. And you'd be surprised just how easily people can be broken. And just like Marty just said, the fact that, uh, you know, they don't talk to anybody, uh, they don't trust people to talk to them, and when a family member gets there, all they do is talk. You know, they just want to ramble on about, you know, everything that they've been thinking and seeing and whatever just to talk uh, and and they do. They hold hands and they hug, and every, hugging is so important to them. Just for human yes. contact, it's it's very true. Absolutely. What and and and, and, and from people you know, it's not the same effect from employees and strangers. Exactly. You know what I mean? Versus a child or someone that they genuinely love and care about. Exactly. Um, it, it was insane. I mean, it, literally, those facilities. The New York Times referred to them as a death pit. I mean, they yes. literally were playing Russian roulette with her life and didn't have a problem with it. I mean, she was civilly dead already. I mean, they took her yes. phone. Even after lockdown was over, they wouldn't let her leave the facility unless she was with the power of attorney or staff. 
no one else. And again, that's all for fully to control them. And uh, right. her, what she asked for, what she wanted, was completely ignored. And um, at one of the point, things I mean, about- all I want is to find her. I mean, it's eleven months, and I do yeah. fear, and I used to think it was implausible, but clearly it's not. That she could die, and I won't know at the time. Not only right. that, I may never see her before her death, and my family right. is okay with that. That's disgusting. And the thing is, as much as they don't, they hate my husband and I. Clearly, they hate us. That's one thing. But to harm their own Why? mother or grandmother makes no sense. Get me another right. way. Get your hatred towards me out another way, not through my mother. Brenda, this is Reverend Ralph. Uh, Yeah, again, you're talking absolute truth, and I've seen it. Uh, The fact that they'll start to demonize you, as others have, no matter how good you are, they'll try to tear you down and imply things that you did or are, whatever. Uh, Even the judge will do things like that just to get their way, but it's usually to protect their scam, which is what I've been exposing in my case. Uh, also, Brenda, uh, there, every state has a lawyer disciplinary board. You might want to contact them and file a complaint against uh, your uh, brother-in-law. Yeah, that's an excellent Thank idea because I, when, when you said this hasn't even gone through probate, how do they enact a power of attorney when she's in her right mind? That's not what a power of attorney is supposed to be for. That right there yeah. is the fraud. Well, they are saying yeah. they are saying that she she signed it in 2015 willingly, um, unbeknownst to the rest of the siblings, and that would have been fine if they genuinely had her heart, her at, in their best interest. They wouldn't have kept her in a deadly facility. To me, it's completely negated. We see who they are when they chose not yes. to remove her. And my mother would have never in a million years signed off if she knew that for the rest of her life she would not be in her home and her garden and her cats and her neighbors. She had no right. idea that all of that was going to be taken from her. And um, right. They would keep her. I mean, there was one part where she's telling all four of us she thinks she gets to be with my brother, and she she's so relieved. She's saying, oh, I don't have to be with strangers. Is that not clearly a red flag that the woman doesn't want yeah. to be there? They do not there care. It's like once they I have did a- it, it could never be yeah. reversed because they would never accept that they made a mistake. But well, I it wasn't a mistake. I have a message here from somebody who's listening, and they're saying that there is no evidence that human touch is required for a healthy. Yes, there is. Look it up. There is a chemical response that happens in the body when you touch the hands and the forearm, the feet, and the lower legs. There is a chemical response that happens that the body recognizes, and it calms people. It reassures them, but it is very necessary for a healthy state of mind. So when you deprive particularly an elderly person of this interaction, the result is confusion and many times paranoia and fear. And they live a miserable life because of this. You cannot withhold human contact, particularly from people you love and who love you. It is devastating to the individual. 
So you, instead of coming on here and shooting your mouth off, go do some research because you'll find out what we're saying is true. Anyway, go it ahead, Brenda. I'm sorry. Too. No, thank yeah. you. That's absolutely yeah. right. Um, I guess the reason they're hiding her now, it, I, by the way, I actually had a judge say under no circumstances was I to be kept from my mother. However, they were able to disregard that, and I was still banned, and so was my husband, who was not even there on a particular day, that they're accusing me. Um, this is also very common, shocking to me, but it's common where they, like you say, defame, attack, make up lies. I actually had a false protective order against me and I was at the facility it was pre-approved time I had on the books to see my mom it was you know COVID protocol still in place and my husband and I had taken to wearing whistles and we had actually written at least two letters to her attorney asking for her and her husband to please basically leave us alone they had stalked us in the parking lot in their car once Another time, my husband and I were at the window, and she rushed up without a mask and banged on my mother's window within, within inches of my shoulder. And it was all to oh, wow. intimidate and cause issue. So my husband and I, I did say a cuss word, big deal. My mother hadn't come to the window. And uh, my husband and I immediately moved away and left her at the window, and she starts her usual. She's, like, ranting and raving and telling my mom that I said this cuss word, like bringing my mom into it. So in any case, we were on alert there. We were on alert. We had alerted their attorney that we were on alert and and we were wearing whistles. So on this particular day, I'm at my appointment approved in advance and she knows I'm there she's not supposed to be coming and I had the door propped open so I can hear and she starts walking down the hall and I assume it's going to be her my mother's at the end so I got up and I locked her out and I'm telling the world yes I locked my sister out my sister proceeded to call the cops who came out cleared me I no mention of me assaulting her touching her um uh, no, tri- no charges were filed. No report was even written. I wasn't told to leave the facility. Well, the next day, you said it was a civil matter. So the next day, we get a letter from her attorney stating that I locked my sister out, and I'm saying, yes, I did, and that my husband and I are both banned. There's no mention oh of me touching, assaulting, or hurting her. But six right. days later... They file a protective order against me that all of a sudden, no, I actually harassed her, assaulted her, threw her against a wall, and that she was extending it over my mother as well to protect my mom. Oh, I see. It was terrible. It was horrible. So we went to court, and I at least got cleared of the part against my mother, 100% cleared. And, again, when your brother-in-law is an attorney here, 
and I'm on the wrong side of this. You know how the story, the situation goes. So I did get the PO stuck against my sister, which I hadn't wanted to see her. I hadn't been around her in years. We have been avoiding her at all costs. So the PO stayed on her, but not my mom. I was to be able to see my mom and my husband, but we were not. They still continued to ban us. It was crazy. Wow. Really terrible. Brenda, she Ralph. Um, one of the things that is most effective when you're dealing with these kind of wacko people, and again, I went through it myself, you know, for the last year, is a documentation, and that scares the heck out of people. If you know, use your cell phone, take videotape, and this freaks them out because they don't want to be recorded. I mean, this is their type of personality where. Again, uh, they really think they're right, and it's everybody else is wrong. And, again, if you use your cell phone to document, to record, it really bites them in the rear end at the right times. So keep it handy. And, uh, again, cell phones take excellent videos now. It really does help. A picture is worth a thousand words. You're absolutely yeah. right. How horrible to think about having to do that with your own family, but apparently, yes, yeah. I do. But that is why yeah. we put on record with the attorney before this incident that I was accused of assaulting right. her that we had already put with the attorney, so the attorney knew knew that. Of course, they pro- well, didn't. They they have this yeah. way that they don't answer what they don't want to answer. So that was the end of there that. You go. Okay, we have a caller on here, and I think it's Eldoni. Seven seven three. Oh. Did did you have a Great. question or comment? Yes, this is Aldona Kumpin. I uh, I would like to mention we would like to press the Caroline's Law, which started in New York, and a lot of people are against this. Uh, they don't understand that loved ones like uh, Brenda, my mom, would be alive if this law would uh, be passed. Uh, we would have visitation in 10 days. We would have court. People, if the law would be in the place, my mom would be probably still alive. And uh, otherwise, my mom was for six months in the facility that she shouldn't be. She was like hostage slave in the nursing home. And, wow. Uh, and I know a lot of people are against this, uh, against, and they they talking, we have a law. I understand we have a law, but where we've got with this law? Nowhere. Well, that's why we want to put Carolyn's law so we would have court in 10 days and, and both sides will be heard, family and, and, and the court. And, uh, can, I, can I tell you why these laws don't work? Because there is no crime cited. And because there is nothing cited as a crime, it just says you can't do this, but it doesn't say it's a crime. If you don't, there is no enforcement and there's no indication of who would perform that enforcement and what the penalties would be. That's what's lacking from these laws. They they look good on the surface, but the fact of the matter is they aren't. Uh, they're toothless, what we call a toothless bill. They have no uh, Car- Carolyn's Law. I've read it. It, it, again, is lacking any mention of any crime, uh, making it a crime not to abide by these rules. Who would enforce that? Who would do the enforcement and what the penalty is? That's what's lacking from these bills. This is why 
they call them fluff and buff bills. They're simply put out there to try and subdue the public and make it look like on its face most people don't know how to read a bill um, to understand what that bill is supposed to do and what happens if you don't do it. And if there's no crime and no penalty, no enforcement, the bill is absolutely not worth the paper it's written on. But go ahead. Well, there are there's it is a bipartisan support right now, and there's absolutely uh-huh. going to be amendments as as needed. I mean, it's at this right. point we we need to have the media involved because without you, without others, it gets it goes to the wayside again. It gets hidden again. Right. And I I think it's a great stepping stone and recognition of it in itself is helpful right. and yeah. we've got senators on board with it um and then why you take baby steps baby steps but, sometimes but, and and then make amendments as you're working the bill but see this is this is what i'm saying i've been dealing with legislation for more than 40 years when i see bills come out like this they are specifically written to make it appear that they're doing something when in fact they are not and you know, you get senators uh, here a few years ago. We had the Elder Justice and Protection Act 2019, and it, uh, oh, Senator Grassley sponsored it, and really wasn't it great and wonderful and all this. But you read through the bill, and there was absolutely nothing in it that would protect the elderly. In fact, what it did was it further funded and empowered all of the agencies that we fight. And yet we had people out there going, oh, isn't this wonderful Is that he put this? No, he just hit you in the knees. Um, this is, you have to understand, and I, I'm all for any effort, any effort to stop this stuff. But these well, for, what, for what, what I'm hearing, I mean, it's reminded of. They need to put well, some teeth in these Well, it wouldn't be just bills. a regular hearing. I mean, it's actually more like a trial both sides right. right now the way it is there's only information coming from in my my case my the power of attorneys my sister and her husband yeah. i have not had a chance to show anything that would prove that it does my mother well to see me this i mean it's really the focus is on the stopping of the isolation so if that if yes. you file within 10 days you do have an opportunity with evidence to explain the importance of not severing my relationship, my husband's relationship right, exactly. with my mom. So that, that, and again, it's really that name and more attention, and you maybe go from local state to state to federal. And um, yes, will it need amendments and tweaks along the way? Absolutely. But let's start with something and build it build it up to where it does have the teeth and it does take that bite. I mean, this this is so beyond upsetting to obviously right. thousands of us. And yes. recognition of it alone is hopeful. It's well no, I, I would agree with that to a point, but we have been through years of this stuff, absolute years. I'm playing devil's advocate here, okay? I no, I, it's much okay. Saying, but I'm playing devil's advocate. These people put these bills out knowing full well they are not enough. They know exactly what the problems are. 
They have had hundreds, if not thousands, of people approach them about what is going on in these probate tribunals, the abuse of guardianship, what is happening to the elderly without any firm regulation or trolls. And then we saw stuff like down in Florida in their statutes. Uh, statutes are not laws. Um, where they said, you know, it's a crime to do this and that, something, but does not apply to guardians, uh, professional guardians and attorneys. Um, you know, they have ways of getting around it. But, see, my problem is, here again, devil's advocate, they know the problems. They know exactly what is wrong. They know how it's gone wrong, how they facilitate the wrongdoing. And yet they come out with these bills that do nothing to actually correct it. This isn't a beginning. This is a slap in the face. That's exactly what it is. And um, I, I just, that's the way I see it. But anyway, again, devil's advocate, so have at it. I'll be, I'll be the nice fluffy one. Usually Marty's the nice oh. one. and I'm. But here's yeah. what I find to be a positive on it. I watched, I believe I remember watching, a video and it was one of the state it was like a is it new york that it's coming out of and there yes. was like eight senators and they were talking about it and they genuinely seemed horrified at what they were saying and i believe they are the sponsors of this am i i don't know everything yes. about, about this so i believe they are the sponsors of this and they are like state senators and the fact that the media attention that this is getting is huge, and I think that is such a, a positive thing. Now, as far as the 10-day thing, people need to be aware that they even have this right. And that's where these predators are going to, you know, they're going to prey on people who don't know their rights. I think it's a, it's a great thing that if people Knowledge could, is power. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I feel like it's part of a bigger movement. And, you know, first – that she's done a great job as far as marketing and getting out and, and what's going on. And she's got some state senators, you know, sponsoring it. And mm -hmm. I think those things, I think that's phenomenal, but I feel that there needs to be an even bigger media explosion of knowledge because then, you know, once this passes, people need to know that this is their rights. Like this needs to be maybe something that hangs in every nursing home, like, you know, in the nursing home rights or something, so that people know that this is a right, that they can't just be forced into these into these things, because that's where these guardianships, well, A, the judge is always for sale, so they you, that's hard to win in itself, but, I mean, just knowing a little bit more rights. The one thing I want to go back to the power of attorney thing, it was my understanding that a power of attorney, because I can remember my parents, I had it on my parents, and it was, um, you know, my mom had already passed, and I didn't have to do anything with it. But when it was my dad, you had, you, I didn't control my dad or have anything to do that I could have done something like that to my father unless two physicians found him to be incapacitated. And until something like that was done, even though I had a power of attorney paperwork, I had no right to make any decisions for him to touch his bank account or, or anything. And so that's where I want to go back to that power of attorney. That's not supposed to be activated unless two doctors say that she was incapacitated. Did that happen? No, it didn't. The only one, and believe me, we tried 
we made you know a list of what we thought was more than fair ways to share information and negotiate it was all shot down and one of them was a second opinion by a doctor not associated with the facility because sadly what's come out i thought again until about a year ago i thought my husband myself and mom were an isolated situation clearly we're not but so what has come out is the doctors are complicit the doctor that deemed my yes. mother with dementia is, was working for the facility. The facility kept my mother as a prisoner because they benefit from her as a prisoner. Um, that doctor, by the way, I couldn't help myself on their Facebook page. I called him out for basically violating my mother's rights. Um, they all have. You cannot take a person's phone. You cannot lock them in a building when they want to go out and they're saying they want to go out. But in any case, he no longer is there. I can't say directly if it was because I called him out or not, but I'm just grateful for the other residents that he's not there. Yes. And I think we have to come up with some kind of – is there some way to track these facilities – that are complicit. I mean, they're literally warehousing these people. And if these bad guardians or POAs don't have any place to put them, it'll have to cut down this abuse. But I don't know. I mean, that's a big program. It's way beyond my skills. But if somebody did that. We've got a caller on here. Okay, I'm sorry. We've we've got a caller on here from area code 313. Do you have a question or a comment? Uh, hi, this is uh, Cindy uh, Mipstad. Okay. Hey, Cindy. I just wanted to comment um, again about Carolyn's Law. Um, so my mother was isolated for 14 months, and I was actually invited to Albany when the bill was, um, you know, announced. And I was there in Albany at the Capitol when the Senator Palumbo announced it, and he was the one that drafted it with Christine Montanzi, and um, my mom was isolated for 14 months, and as soon as I did that, a month later, I got unsupervised visits with my mother because of the media attention. And, again, with this bill, obviously there's room to, you know, add things and subtract things as we go, but we're hoping that in January, having it just – the initial part where, you know, you get an evidentiary hearing within 10 days and you're not allowed to isolate the person, that will get it passed. And once it's passed, we can add amendments to it. But the whole, and it's going throughout the country, we're hoping. You know, I have people in Michigan that I'm working with, senators here trying to get it passed. And, um, I mean, it's just getting a lot of momentum. And I think it's right. just, it's a very positive thing because, um, the fact that you get an evidentiary hearing within 10 days is huge. I've been in this 18 months and has still not had an evidentiary hearing. And I just think it's a game changer, and I just want to just, uh, you know, give my support okay. for it. Well, you know, I want to support it, too. But here again, like I say, you talk about, you know, it's, there's a 10 days and an evidentiary hearing. If that doesn't occur, what is the penalty and who is penalized? It doesn't say that. Because there but is no penalty. Evidence. I get to present no, my gotta, evidence that. Yeah, but you, this is what you could if the hearing took place, but there is no penalty if it doesn't. This is what I'm trying to make you understand. 
it well, has I understand no teeth. That, but you're, you're attor- if you have an attorney, obviously, and you know it's a law, then you would have that she gets an evidentiary hearing. We get this within 10 days. It should be automatic. It could be, yes. But I'm saying there is nothing in the bill. Please understand me. I'm not against it. I'm trying to show you where the holes are in it. There is nothing in the bill that penalizes anyone. There is nothing in the bill that says if you don't. The media attention on this for everyone, people, I mean, the people that are seeing my mom's page, like I have like 10,000 people following it, and they're just, they've never even heard of this guardianship stuff. And now with the law, you know, it's just exposing, it's exposing all the corruption in the probate court, and we're getting media attention to every state. As the bill gets brought to the state and gets passed, it's just, it's getting huge amounts of attention. Like and right. all these, my I gotten they were they were like uh, trashing me and my brother in court every week. Not that hasn't been happening anymore since I went to Albany and I've gotten the attention there. It just seems like everyone is watching, and even the judge himself, like his whole demeanor changed once I went to New York. Yeah. And, okay. And we're holding this past three states simultaneously. <laughs> Marty, yeah. you have to you have to love this because the Glory Hog does not like it. And the Glory right. Hog attacks it. So if the Glory Hog doesn't like something, it must be good. Exactly. Well, it's, and we're holding it, 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 Texas, Florida and New York all together at the same time and I think that would be huge. It would be. Like I say, and it would be better. These people that wrote the bill, uh, and they use bill writers. These senators don't sit down and write a bill. They use bill writers who are usually normally members of the Bar Association who have a vested interest in keeping this system running because they make tons of money off of it. And so they write these bills, and I say on the surface, please understand what I'm saying. On the surface, it looks good. It's like relief finally. But there's no teeth in the bill. That is intentional. There is no enforcement. There is nothing to, to provide you any sort of, uh, what do I want to say, uh, comeback if they don't have the hearing. You still have no hearing. You have no rights to go after them for it. There is no crime cited. And this is what's missing. sat down with the senator and wrote the bill with him. So, you know, make sure because she had been through this. She's been through this for four years now. And to get the senator's attention was huge. And then they even had another thing where they brought victims in and they did a roundtable with all these different victims. And I went for that, too. And it was Senator Murillo, Senator Palumbo, and we all shared our stories. And they Facebook live it. It was live streamed on their uh, the Senate's website. And, I mean, I honestly feel that they sincerely were there to listen and hear us. And they both expressed an interest to being open to other senators all coming together to try to do something to protect the elderly and disabled. Okay. Now stop and think about this. When these tribunals, these are tribunals, they are not courts of law. These were cases were intentionally separated from the common law courts, civil and criminal courts, and they were set up arbitrarily so that you have no constitutional rights. You cannot claim constitutional protections. You have no right to due process. You have no right to a jury. You have no rights, period. And every one of our 
representatives and senators then and now have sat silently while they did this. Right. This was an intentional act, and they sat silently and did not object to this, and knowing full well what it was going to do to our senior population, what it was going to do to vulnerable people, and they never said a word, and they won't say a word now. And I challenge I, any I, one of them. There's so much attention on this bill, and if it comes out in the three states, like I'm saying, and the media attention that will be involved in each state when it comes out, plus the senator backing it, I think it's going to draw so much attention from the public. There's going to be so much public outrage that, you know, they're going to have to, it's going to have to be honored. I just think this is going to blow the lid off of guardianship just because... Exposure. Exposure. People are going to find out. Well, well, you know, I'm bring more that... nationally, and eventually have it be a national bill. But you know, right. obviously, just getting our feet in the door is huge. So I think just supporting it in that way that the media attention's on it, it's just changed so much. Even with um, Brenda, I believe Brenda's case has things have eased up on her case since she's been involved with this bill. Right, Brenda? Uh, what did you say, Cynthia, that it's been uh, better for me? Did you say that you felt like the bill, since you have come on and have been, you know, joining us as part of this bill, that um, you've had some positive changes in your case where attorneys have oh, dropped absolutely. out? Oh, absolutely. Yes, that would be true. I think there's a level of people feeling like they might actually be called out, that they are going to have some level of exposure if they don't do right. And, yes, two attorneys have dropped out. Uh, not my side, the other side, and right. um, they they had intentions of extending the original false protective order, and that didn't happen, and I think that also has to do with them understanding that there's many of us. There's many of us right. supporting Carolyn's Law. The media is going to be covering Karen's, Carolyn's Law. Senators are on board, bipartisan um, I just don't think you're going to be sweeping this under the rug. And right. I think that is putting putting the abusive and corrupt POAs and guardians maybe on their toes a little bit. I mean, it's going to be more risky for them to try these horrifying these hor- put people in these horrifying situations when they know that we now know. I mean, we have to give Britney Spears a lot of credit um, having survived that 14 years is remarkable. I don't know how she managed that, but I mean, she kind of opened the can of worms and then she gives the rest of us confidence to speak out. And then this right. one speaks out, and then the other speaks out, and it goes around and around. And I just think with 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 Christine Montanti being who Christine Montanti is, being a victim herself, being knowledgeable, passionate, willing to spearhead this with the senators, and her connection to media herself, that has got to be a benefit. I mean, she planned I, I just feel hopeful about that. But, Marty, I do understand your points, but I, I do I, – I feel confident about Carolyn's Law. There's actually nine legislators in three different states on board, 
And I just feel it's alerting, you know, the public who are completely in the dark of the abuses that are occurring in private probate courts that it's, it's just going to blow the lid off of it. Because, I mean, I can't imagine anyone that sees our stories and hears our stories that wouldn't be outraged. And, you know, so who are they coming for next, you know? I mean, it could be yeah. me, it could be you, you know? And that has to terrify people that this they is are- actually happening. And the, and the abusers don't like the exposure. Reverend Ralph and I actually know of of an attorney in Montgomery County named Diane Zabowski who stepped down from a case because, quote, she did not appreciate all the exposure. And it's someone who came on this show at one point, and Diane didn't appreciate that they came on the show. Do you remember that? Do you remember that one, yeah. Reverend? Yes, I do. The other thing, as we talk about all these senators, I've often thought, you know, they talk about red tsunami and blue tsunami or whatever. Whoever, whichever side decides to pin guardianship on the other side, you'll win every vote. I don't know why, because that's all you have to do. Because it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or what, independent, whatever. This is disgusting. And they're all doing it. But this is disgusting. But you know what? If you really want to win an election, I'm giving you your campaign. I'm, and this is free. That you pin it on your opponent. You pin it on your opponent. You pin it on your opponent's party, and you will win all the elections because everyone will be outraged. And there's right. enough dirt on all of them that either party can pin it on the other party. It's whoever does it first. They're going to win all the elections. Because My behavior is there. Okay, they're coming out with these bills. Absent from all of this bill making, why isn't there a specific bill that outlaws guardianship as it stands, criminalizes what's been going on, and draws severe there is penalties? There's one in Iowa, actually. I believe mm-hmm. that if uh, in Iowa, it's the only state that I'm aware of, that if a guardian or a power of attorney isolates a vulnerable person, you can file criminal, criminally criminally yes. against against yes. them. So that Good. obviously is and great. And, you know, it's so anyway. Carolyn's yeah, law actually receives guardianship because it's, it can be just for powers of attorney. Like Brenda's mom's not in a guardianship. It's a power of attorney situation where this Carolyn's law would it would uh, protect her as well. It wouldn't have to be a guardianship. Any vulnerable person that was being isolated, you could call for an evidentiary hearing and get one within ten days. And you might not even you wouldn't even have to be in the guardianship. Right. But see, the so, and thing, I you have a de facto. Me, you have a de facto what? guardianship. You have a de facto guardianship whether it's power of attorney or it goes through probate. Right. You, in effect, have that. They have all the powers of right. guardian. But right. my point right. is I'm this. Why that. is there not a bill specifically right. criminalizing these people and their activities? Instead, we dance all around it, and we come up with, oh, you can have a hearing, and you can do this and that. We it's have that process, right anyway. It shouldn't be a process. If I'm a bankrupt. When I was in um, – they just uh, Christine just did another huge news segment, and it was over 21 million people viewed it. Um, 
Brenda told her her mom's story. I told my mom's story. There were several other people sharing the stories, and it was in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. It had over 21 million viewers. I mean, that's huge. And she has so many more press things coming out, and especially when it comes out mm-hmm. in the three states with the bill coming out, you know, at, you know, together for all three states at once. I mean, I just think it's, it is huge. So I feel that way. And let's say, worst-case scenario, I'll play devil's advocate for a minute. So let's say Carolyn's law isn't passed exactly like we're thinking at this moment, but there's always room again for these amendments. And in the meantime, the exposure is huge. I mean, we need to make Carolyn's law synonymous like with the Ford Oval. I mean, that it's just drawing people in that have not had any reason to know anything about this, but they're going to be hearing about it now. The more that hear, the more that are on board with it, the more that are going to put pressure on their politicians to do right by us as citizens. I mean, it affects the politicians, too. They are going to want this. And I I understand it's gone on for decades and decades, and I understand there's so much money involved. That's why it's slow to make a change. Nobody wants to give up that. But I I just pray and hope that exposure, Carolyn's able, Christine's able to do, is going to help move this and move it quickly. I mean, I feel like in a short period of time, there's been a lot of progress or a lot of information. A lot more people know now than knew two months ago about this abuse and, you know, of our vulnerable. So, well, you know, the other thing is you talk about amendments being made to the bill. When that bill is tabled for a hearing, it can be amended 500 times without notification to you. So what get passed is rarely it bears any resemblance to what initially was there. That's one of the tricks of the trade. Um, I'll cite as an example um, the Real ID Act, which couldn't pass as a standalone bill. Uh, Harry Reid, Dirty Harry Reid, gutted an old recycling bill, put Real ID in as an amendment, and they passed it that way. They do this stuff all the time. And before that bill ever gets heard, it will be amended so many times it will make your head spin. As the bar associations come into it, the College of Probate Judges come into it, the National Guardianship Association, and I'm not talking about NASCA, I'm talking about the actual National Association of Guardians, Professional Guardians. They'll all throw their two cents worth in. There is so much trickery involved in these bills that it's absolutely mind-boggling when you get down to it and see what they actually do that's out of your sight and purview. Furthermore, any law they pass is not applicable in probate. Probate is a tribunal. It doesn't adhere to the law. That's why it's a separate court. It does not abide by the common law. That's why you don't go into civil or criminal court. That's why it's nearly impossible to get out of probate into criminal court or civil court because they consider it a whole separate thing. This is what they call administrative law, which is basically arbitrary to the common law. Um, I, I know I sound like I'm against this bill. I am not. Like I say, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here, but please understand what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people that have no good intent or purpose. They want you to think that they do, but if they did, 
these bills would absolutely bring the hammer down on these professional guardians and their attorneys. They would absolutely have people in jail for isolating someone, but you don't see any of that. You don't see any of that. We don't need a good start. We need a firm action taken against these people to stop them from doing what they are doing, which is capturing people, basically kidnapping them, isolating them, robbing them blind, and then shipping them over to hospice to be taken out. This is basically what's going on. And there again, like I say, there sits our senators and representatives, successive congresses that have been fully apprised of what is taking place, and they do nothing. I have a problem with them. Senator is also an attorney, and he's the one that drafted the bill with Christine, and he's worked guardianship cases before. And I, the way the bill was drafted is so that it will pass easily. That's what we're. That's what the reason why it's worded the way it's worded, because they want it to pass quickly and snowball across, obviously, the state, because we're hoping to get it passed federally. That and it is really opening the door. I mean, there's just so many states talking about it right now. So many Do people. You, but are, honey, please, I'm trying to please understand me. They can pass all the federal laws they want. It does not apply in these civil tribunals. It does not apply. They don't follow the law. They are not subject to the law. But so I these laws what you're saying, but when they're calling out an attorney or a guardian on the news about the atrocities that they're doing, that alone is going to, I mean, that's huge. That's going to shame these people. These people should be arrested just like the April Parks was in um, yeah. Nevada. Yeah. And yeah. Julie Belshi is behind this bill as well. She, she told her story at our last, the last uh, press thing that we had done. And, I mean, uh, April Parks had 27 wards ashes in that storage yes. unit. That yep. is shocking to people, and people still don't even know about that. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. This bill, with the publicity it's getting, people are hearing these stories. They're hearing Julie's story, my story, Brenda's story, I mean, and Christine's story. I mean, it's just right. unbelievable. And I just think that the, the media attention, the everything about it is it's positive, and I think the negative – I don't understand how you want to play doubled advocate, but it just seems like um, the ones that are attacking us uh, are glory hogs mostly. And I know you're not a glory mm-hmm. hog. I know no. you're just doing it to, you know, help us as it, you know I, we continue the fight. I, I, I don't want you stepping into a, a minefield. And this is this is what I'm trying to get across to you. Right. Until they abolish these probate tribunals and bring these cases back into civil court where you have to follow the rules of civil procedure, the rules of evidence. You can have a jury trial if requested. You have to be present in the courtroom. They can't prevent you from coming in. Until this happens, all of this is for nothing. They're going to keep doing what they do. They're just going to find other ways to do it. That's my objection. Abolish right. these probate tribunals, put these cases back in civil court, and if you have evidence that somebody is compromised med- mentally or physically, however, you bring your evidence. And it can't just be some gutless guardian standing up there and saying, I said so. Where's your right. evidence? Yeah. Right. Where and is your evidence? With, with the evidentiary hearing, both sides will be able to present their evidence, 
And right now, they're actually naming names and exposing guardians and exposing, you know, attorneys that are uh, doing criminal things to to do these things to uh, our family members, putting them into guardianship. And I just think that it's a stepping stone to hopefully one day doing exactly what you're saying. But that's why we need to get behind it and get on the, you know, get on board with it so that it gets passed, so that it gets a snowball effect going and it goes, you know, nationally because to me it's so important. This is Reverend I agree. Go ahead, Reverend. Thank you. Uh, The one thing that I find lacking uh, in a lot of these discussions is the step one, which is how does a person be declared incapacitated? What is the process of uh, of doing so, and it's usually it starts with a so-called evaluation or a IME, independent medical evaluation, as it's called in Pennsylvania. So my question is, and it's to Brenda, uh, in Maryland, if I understood you correctly, uh, that's your state, what is the so-called evaluation that is used to declare somebody or determine someone is incapacitated and needs a guardian? Uh, good question. I don't have any medical information or financial information. All I know is that I'm being told that the facilities doctor, who is no longer there, deemed my mother with dementia. And that is why I wanted a second uh, opinion, someone not affiliated with them, and that was denied. But yes. and so apparently you go through the crime is because there's supposed to be two. Yeah, I think I, I think that's when you file on when you file on that lawyer's bar, that's what you file on because they messed up. Yeah. Well, and another thing here too. So you get this evidentiary hearing, but it will occur in probate. And that hearing examiner, ministerial clerk, this is not a judge because they don't deal with law, can prevent you from presenting your side of things. They can tell you you're not going to be allowed to enter any evidence. You're not going to be allowed to speak. They don't talk about that. They can stop you from doing anything. And so an evidentiary hearing could end up being with your sworn enemy being the only one giving evidence for what they want. And, see, that isn't addressed either, um, that both sides must be heard, not may or shall, because the Supreme Court has determined that those words mean you can or you can't. If you want to, you don't have to. But it must say must, must. Both sides must be heard. And But there again, we're dealing with a federal law that does not apply to probate. So this is why will they not dismiss this probate mess and get rid of it so people are not subjected to this to begin with. And yet they don't do it. They don't. This is do Ralph it. again. Sorry to interrupt you, Marty. This is Ralph again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe a doctor did something, but specifically, what did they do? And this is important because if they use, like they do in Pennsylvania, uh, in Pennsylvania there are no standards or requirements uh, that must be in a evaluation, and it primarily is involving 
uh, paper and pencil type tests, like uh, spell the word world backwards, name all the animals in one minute or as many as you can in one minute, blah, blah. And the problem is none of those paper and pencil tests have any uh, independent proven accuracy that allows them or should allow them to be part of an evaluation. If they have no proof and it's just something somebody makes up, I don't care if you give 10, 20, or 50 of these type of tests, they have no credibility. And what's important is number two, which again applies in Pennsylvania where I am, is the fact that none of these quacks, uh, that's psychologists, none of these quacks who give these evaluations ever record either video or audio of that session. So in other words, these quacks have no proof, they have no proof that they ever gave such an evaluation, but they get paid, uh, it starts out usually $1,000 for an hour, and it can go up to four or $5,000 depending on how greedy this quack is. But the bottom line is, and this is what I've been raising with my attorney, is the fact that that psychologist who has a Ph.D., and they brag about that, and they brag about their history of dealing with or working with these people with uh, memory issues, the fact that they cannot go into court and say, here, Your Honor, here is proof that that patient, or as I call them, victims, said a sentence a certain way or could not answer a question a certain way, but they can't do that because they don't audio or video record the session. And it's like a cop going into court in a criminal case and saying to the judge, take my word for it, he did something. Well, if he has no proof, then it's just hearsay. And what, that's why these cops for the last 15 years, these police departments, are buying these video cameras to protect themselves of false allegations uh, by the sub, uh, suspects. So, but the problem is for police departments, it works both ways. It can also prove that the cop did do something wrong, and it will get the police department sued. But the main thing is, if they can't prove, if these quacks can't prove that the person actually said or did not say something a certain way or did or did not do something a certain way with a question or a test, they've got nothing and yet that condemns them. Just the word of these quacks condemns these people to a life of poverty, drugging, and torture. Thank you. Yes, okay. Uh, you know, I want to say something else here quickly. Um, I know the glory hogs out there, you know, done jumping for joy because it sounds like I'm against this bill. I'm not. I'm for anything that will put a dent in this stuff. What I'm trying to point out to you is where the pitfalls are. And most people who are against it are against it because a certain senator or representative wouldn't give them the time of day. And here they are, this big star, they think. And why didn't you? So now I'm gonna, not going to support what you do. I'm not about that. Like I say, I'm looking for the pitfalls. We've, we've fallen in too many times. I think what we need to do is work with the senator, put some teeth in this bill, so that it actually does something and then watch it right up to the last minute because it can be of great service if it's done correctly. But as far as being, you know, across the board against the bill, no, I'm not. Like I say, anything is better than nothing. 
but I just, you know, I say, uh, I have people come back to me after these bills come out and say, well, did you know and why didn't you say? And, and then when I do, they get angry because I'm not saying what they want to hear. But I'm telling you, like I say, after 40 years of dealing with legislation, this stuff, there's all kinds of tricks and traps, and you think you're getting one thing, and you're actually not getting anything at all. So make these people put some teeth in these bills. That's a good start, definitely a good start, but it needs to have teeth put in it so that it is enforceable, and they need to abolish these probate tribunals. This should never have happened in this country. Never should this have happened, that these arbitrary tertiary systems of so-called law, which they are not law, are set up and people are routinely trafficked through them. And yet, we, like I say, we hear we have senators, representatives, governors, the president, everybody sitting there twiddling their thumbs and going, boy, that's really sad. Well, I didn't know this was going on. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. We've been out here screaming for years. We've come to you mm-hmm. many times. Give us something better than what you did. It's a good start, but it needs some fine-tuning. And that's what I'm asking for. That's, I'm, I'm not against the bill. Please don't think I am. I'm not against the bill. I'm trying to make you see where you, the pitfalls are, where they're going to get you, and most people will step into these traps before they ever know what happened to them. That's all I have to say. Now, and what I would say is, if I was the politician, and maybe it's because I'm not nice, if I was the politician <laughs> writing this bill, and I don't know if it's Republican or Democrat, um, but let's just say I'm one of those, I would blame my opponent as being party to this crime so that I would win the election. And I would, mm-hmm. I would put the teeth in the bill because I would want to win the election. And mm-hmm. that's what I would do. But I'm not. I'm sometimes not nice. I would. I would use this if I was a politician. I would use this bill to be so vicious against my opponent and to blame them for isolating and killing the elderly and disabled. I would be so vicious, and I would make this bill so tough. And I know I would win the election if I was running for office. And now I'm. I am not available to be anyone's campaign manager this time around. But that that um. Good. That piece of advice was free, but I mean yeah. that's what that, I mean. They're vicious. These politicians are vicious, and you have to basically destroy the other person. Here's how you destroy yeah. them: you like, like, yeah. if, like, let's say, um, like, if I was a judge and I was running against Judge Ott, I would destroy him because I would blame all this stuff on him, and no one would ever vote for him. Who who would vote for that stuff? But see, no one ever brings it yeah. up in the campaign. This never gets no. brought up. You bring it up, you will win. You will win the election, whether you're red or blue, whatever color is what color that tsunami will be. If you actually campaign and you go after the other party and you pin this on them and you do a really good bill, there off my soapbox. <laughs> cause, cause this is Ralph. Uh, do you notice in these camp in the recent midterms, the, these the commercials for these politicians? They're basically dancing. Uh, they don't want to say something really negative against uh, the other person, like the truth, because the other guy he's got you know dirt <laughs> on them. So it's basically you can say the guy doesn't care or he's not nice, 
but they're not going to say something specific because they all have dark little secrets in their closet. Uh, so this is why they basically uh, – it's just a song and dance for these politicians. And, again, they don't care because in Pennsylvania they don't lose their job if they're simply running for a higher office. So what do they got to lose? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's why me or Marty should run for office because what would they they'd say, Well, they ran the sad class and they were kind of conspiracy theorists. That'd be like the bad thing they'd have to say on us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess say uh after so many decades of dealing with this stuff, I get angry when I read these bills because I know what should be there if the title was at all indicative of what the bill is about but it's when you read through them and you understand the crap that they pull trying to uh, fluff and buff the public rather than do the right thing and represent the people they were elected to represent. We have wholesale trafficking of the elderly through these courts, these tribunals, annually, and yet the federal government claims they don't collect any stats on it. States claim they don't collect any stats on how many cases they might have because they don't have the funding. You've got a computer, don't you? Easy enough to log it in. But they come Mm -hmm. up with all these excuses. They don't compile anything that would support what you were saying. 2010, the Government Accountability Office came out with a report on this. And initially, the report said that as a result of professional guardians preying on the elderly, that they had stolen somewhere around the area of $3 billion through this scam. Within three days, that was pulled, rewritten, and they came out and said it was family members in the community. And this is something else they do. They try very hard. They'll, If you've ever noticed, they will blast like a family member abusing someone or a community member abusing someone. They will blast that all over the news. But when it's a professional guardian, they'll hang the phone up on you. Uh, they don't want to hear it. Uh, they won't publish it. They won't talk about it. This is part of the problem. We have no media anymore as such. We have no journalism. We have no unbiased reporting. And the public, and especially the young people, are being brainwashed and conditioned to think that if you're over 60, and most especially if you are over 70, you need to take a hike. Uh, they did that mm-hmm. uh, test here a few years ago where they were questioning kids just out on the street. You know, what do you think should be done with the old? Well, they've had a long life, and they're using up resources that we need. Knock, knock, head. I helped put those resources there. Shut up. And But this whole idea that we were somehow expendable, disposable. Yes, and that's even in my own family. Had, yes, yes. You've lived long enough. You've got stuff I want. This is how it's going to go down. And this is, this is where I'm coming from. We have got to cut the head off of the snake, and that is probate. Get rid of these arbitrary tribunals that do not follow the common law. And like I say, you can pass all the federal laws you want to. They do not apply in probate. They, they are not subject to the common law. That person sitting there is not a judge. They are a hearing examiner or ministerial clerk. They set up their own rules, codes, regulations, and statutes, and that's what they run by. And if you look, those are always written by members of the Bar Association. They have a vested interest in keeping this going. Sixty percent of the law firms across the country make their living on these cases. They pay their bill 
bills on these cases. And now we have banks getting into it, seizing people's accounts, guardianizing. I, I want to give another warning. Yes, on something. You're in the hospital. Wendy Williams Bank. Yes. Was it Wells Fargo? Yes, and Wells Fargo figures prominently in many of these cases. Mm. You go in the hospital, and you've got a doctor that they assign to you, a hospitalist. And the hospital, every hospital out there now has attorneys and guardians on staff. And they will bring a person into the room and say, this is Dr. So-and-so. We brought them in to advise us, you know, see if they could help on this case. Ask that doctor what he's a doctor of. They have decided now that attorneys can legitimately be called doctor. So they'll bring this person Mm -hmm. in. You think they're a medical doctor, and they are not. They're an attorney. And they're trying to build the case for the hospital to get guardianship. When you go in the hospital, they immediately run an asset search on you to see what you own, where it's at, how much is it worth, who's got control of it. You sign that. It's really frightening. Yes. You sign it. They won't let you see it. Oh, just sign the little kiosk out there. No, I'm not. You printed me off a copy. You got a big printer sitting there. Print me off a copy. Oh, we don't do that. Then I don't sign this. I'm not signing something I can't read, but what you'll read in there is that once you are admitted and you agree to being admitted to the hospital, you forfeit all rights to make your own medical decisions. They're now all made by the hospitalists and the hospital. You don't have any right to make your own medical decisions. So they can do anything with you that they want to. It also says that you, you they can use bio, biologics on you, which is vaccines, which you'll never give me a vaccine. Um but there is so much to this. I, well, I hate this. We are out of time. And um, Brenda, I want to thank you for coming on. And I did not mean to be arbitrary this evening. Sometimes I got to play devil's advocate to open the door on what's behind what you think you see. Um, I have great hopes for this bill, but it needs to be tweaked. It needs to be beefed up so that it's of use to people. Um, again, Brenda, thank you. Everyone else oh, who called in, Reverend Brown's much. cause, um, thank you. And keep us posted on Poochie. Uh, what's happening, you know, if anything happens, you need more airtime, please let me know. We'll get you set up. Um, thank Kaz, you so Reverend much. Brown. appreciate you giving me time to talk. Well, you did an you excellent job, an absolutely excellent job. You Lord. have a lot of listeners. This is the most listened yes. show since Marty put me on the back of the house. I, I help yes. monitor all the... All the, yeah, way to go, Brenda. You have a lot of listeners, and this is heard yep. international. That's because of you, yeah. you all. Oh, Thank you. You, you, you all have a lot a of huge change. We need this. Yes. Yeah. Thank so you. So let's very work much. together and do it. We got ten seconds, Reverend Ralph. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you, everybody. Cindy, thank you for calling in, and we will be back this next week. We've got a lineup coming up. I'll announce later on. Everybody, have a good evening and good night. Nice. Good night. Good night.